Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. The conversation continues with Brian McLean and Steve Hook at State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, welcome back to State of the Nation. It is time for hour number two. I am Steve Hook broadcasting live from the Central Jersey Shore. And there's Brian McLean, also known as Hesher. He's uh, broadcasting live from Central Texas. Uh, we got a big hour to go here, Hesh, man. I got to tell you. Have, yeah, we by do. the way, have you, have you seen... Uh, uh, um, Killers of the Flower Moon yet? Have you seen that movie? Uh, much like Gabriella, it is on the top of my list. I just found it in my streaming service the other night and marked it for viewing later. I, w- I will say this, and you know me, I, I will rip anyone in Hollywood a new one just because I think they're all a bunch of liberal clowns. Uh, and Leonardo DiCri- DiCaprio is one of those. But man, he is really good in that film. I mean, he is really, really good. It's a good movie. You know, so. I, I got to say, Steve, you know, not to not to gush here and pile on, but uh, I just watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last night with Spore, and yeah. he's an amazing actor. I mean, he is a master of his craft. I will give no him that. I'm not a fan of his politics and his green agenda, you know, pushing and all that stuff. But uh, as far as, you know, his performances and movies go, top notch. Yeah, that's about as far as I reach across the aisle. I'll watch one of his movies. There but, you yeah, go. No, yeah. No, Wolf yeah, of yeah, Wall yeah. Street, too. I mean, he was Wolf yeah. of Wall Street. What an amazing film. Yeah, no doubt. He's really good. Hey, listen, you know, we were talking to Steve Cohen last hour, and we were talking, and he's, I, lo- I love him so much because there's a guy that's been in the trenches for a damn near half a century uh, yeah. in the actual journalism industry. Uh, not so much anymore. Well, he's retired, but. Uh, it's no longer really a journalism industry. And one of the one of the uh, things that we always hear, and Steve kind of touched on it, is how they slime half, if not even more than half of the country with this nonsense about Trump supporters and MAGA extremists and all this garbage. And, you know, these people are stupid. They're mouth breathers, whatever. Well, we had mentioned Dean Phillips, and this is an interesting story. Biden challenger Dean Phillips uh, adre- uh, attended a Trump rally in New Hampshire. And the question that, that, that I'm wondering is who is more disrespected by their own base? Is it Nikki Haley for the Republicans or is it Dean Phillips for the Democrats? Because Dean Phillips came out and said, you know what? They were some of the nicest people I've ever met. They were courteous. They didn't boo me. They shook my hand. Uh, and they just discussed about, talked about issues that were important to them. That, of course, is the exact opposite of what you're going to get on Joy Reid, Rachel Maddow. Just go right on down the list. Anderson Cooper at CNN, any of them, really. Just it's like throwing a a dart. You can do whoever you hit is going to be guilty of that kind of slime. But Dean Phillips said, "No, that's completely not true. They're actually pretty good people." Uh, we need more Democrats like Dean Phillips, uh, even though I disagree with almost everything he stands for politically. At least he's a, a human about it. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, that human factor. It's amazing, Steve, that these days in a politician, when we smell a human factor on a politician, it almost doesn't matter what side of the aisle they're on. If what they're saying resonates to you, then it you know, it stands out. It shouldn't be this way. You shouldn't have to be like, 
oh, that's a political opponent, but I see humanity in them. I see common sense coming through, even though I disagree with, you know, my bias and their bias or, you know, oppositional. So um, it's, it is very strange, man. And, you know, I think, I think to like uh, Phillips here and, you know, Nikki Haley, even if, if we apply what happened um, when, when Hillary and Bernie Sanders were in the fight for the nomination, it's it's really interesting because I look back on that. I remember finding it so stark when um, <clears throat> when Bernie stepped down because there was a hot mic right next to him and his wife, and he stepped down and endorsed Hillary basically on stage, and you could hear his wife say, "Hey, it's not over yet. It's not necessarily over yet." I'm paraphrasing, but. <clears throat> You know, um, it's just amazing the way that um, both parties use uh, like stocking horse sort of, uh, you know, candidates uh, who will just just punch out, punch out before the race is even over in some cases. And you got to wonder at whose direction, whose suggestion, you know, Bernie Sanders had a good thing going. He easily probably could have beaten Hillary Clinton for that nomination had he fought for it and uh you know that's the he big bent difference the knee. here yeah he bent yeah, he, the knee and and he haley would not she will not win if she fights for it and she's not bending the knee you got to wonder who's pulling the strings on decisions like this when you juxtapose them yeah absolutely right well with nikki haley we pretty much got her sussed out her whole yeah i think we is, know what's going on there <laughs> she's still getting a lot of money and she wants to spend it by god he, don't tell me I can't be president. I want to be president. Okay, well, here's more money. It's not going to happen for her. Bernie was funny the way he bent the knee so quickly because Hillary and the DNC absolutely screwed Bernie Sanders. And I, in a way, <laughs> one side of me wants to say, well, thank God we dodged that bullet. But the other side of me is like, well, that just shows how corrupt they are over there. Now, I know yeah. all politicians have their level of corruption, but not maybe not all, but a lot of them do. Uh, but what the DNC is doing is a whole new level of it. Uh, and, you know, speaking of Dean Phillips, he was on Fox and Friends, and Steve Ducey, the father, said to him, you know, talked to him about this and said, uh, you know, you're reaching out across the aisle. This seems kind of quaint. I'm paraphrasing here. But he said, hey, listen, you know what? This is what uh, Dean Phillips said. He said, that's my responsibility, and I'm sick of this political culture that only rewards the dividers. Well st stated, I thought. Uh, again, I don't yeah. agree with the damn thing that Dean Phillips represents. But when it comes to just, you know, speaking truth to power, it's hard to argue with that statement. Anyway, very interesting to see how that shakes out. Hey, if you're enjoying listening to TNT, and we certainly hope you are, uh, and if you think we're doing a good job, let us know it. We'd love to get a like or a positive review or a comment from you on Facebook, Gab or Getter. And you can help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk TNT. Clashing on the controversies. It's a woke society and I am fed up with it. Today's News Talk Radio TNT. All right. Well, we are very happy to welcome back to the program our colleague, Joe Hoft. He also, of course, is with the Gateway Pundit. And uh, the Joe Hoff show is uh, is one of our favorites here on TNT. And I got to say, Joe, uh, you were on fire today. A lot to talk about with you. Yeah, a lot to talk about with you. So let's dive right in. 
What did you discover about Georgia? Because you were going a little bit mm. off on that. Uh, and just mm. give us your general take on the uh, the primary and what ha- happened in New Hampshire and what have you. Take it away. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. You're looking, uh, looking great as always. Appreciate that. Likewise, uh, sir. Catch up. Yeah, you guys are great. Really, really enjoy your show. The, um, uh, the well, the, the piece that I went after this morning is, uh, and, and it, to me, it's it's really, really big. It's really breaking news, in my opinion. And and it's and and, and so here here's what's going on. We've got Georgia, as you guys know. We got the 2020 election. We know that uh, three days after the election, after Raffensperger said the morning after the election that there's no way Trump can lose, three days later, he certifies basically the election for Joe Biden. And uh, hundreds of thousands of votes were uncovered, and and somehow they were all landed for Biden, and he uh, wins the election. So um, after that, we found about a month later, Rudy Giuliani was going around to these various legislatures attempting to try to get these guys to just pause and look at what happened during this election. And the more I learn, guys, the more I understand Rudy was so spot on. It's U.S. law that absolutely mandates that you do not certify an election that's uncertifiable. If there are problems, it's your duty as an election person, anybody involved in that, to do a thorough review and investigate. And that's a big, and I'm telling, I'll break some news here with you guys right now. There's a couple cases coming out here in the next few weeks. We're going to blow the lid off of that. And so just hold tight to that. But that doesn't have to do what we're, what I was talking about this morning. This morning, I share, and, and maybe you guys know this, we've got Georgia, they're, they're going after President Trump and 15 others in this bogus case with that Fannie Willis and her boyfriend who was in the White House the day that Jack Smith was appointed uh, special counsel. I mean, it's so corrupt, so corrupt. You just can't even make this stuff up anymore. It's so, so terrible. We've also got the case where Rudy Giuliani was sued in, in Washington by Ruby and Shay and her attorney, their attorneys, this mother-daughter team that was there on election night that started jump, jamming ballots through tabulators after uh, the doors were shut. They kicked all the observers out. It's all on video. Rudy dropped. Rudy dropped that about a month after the election. He, he he found this and it was like shocking. I think the whole world saw that and was like, "What the hell's going on in Georgia?" Right. Well, we reported that, and we got sued by the same attorneys that have sued Rudy. They're nasty. They're former Obama White House attorneys. There's also Yale Law School joined them, and also a huge firm in St. Louis, massive law firm, the biggest one in St. Louis, the one that just did a big deal with the NFL and the the St. Louis Rams. They won that case. So we've got an army against us, but we've got the truth. And what we found out here recently, and what I broke this morning, and I'm laying it low right now, where it's going to be more coming, is that we have not just video evidence that Ruby and Shay were shoving ballots through multiple times, which is illegal. I believe each, it might even be, and don't, I'm not an attorney, it might even be illegal to a felony for each vote that you would count twice. It might even be. If so, there's hundreds, thousands of ballots they shoved through tabulators after the no observers were present after hours that night in, uh, after the election, early morning. And there we we have all sorts of evidence for this. We've got yeah. some more evidence. Yeah, and that's yeah, what I'm Joe, not laying out yet. We got uh, some evidence on this that's going to blow the socks off this whole case. 
It's big time, Joe. I can tell. I could tell when I watched your show this morning. And look, if you're watching on the video feed, we won't be offended if you take that playhead and drag it back to the Joe Hoff show from this morning and at least watch the intro, but watch the interview too. It's amazing. It's a really good interview. Um, but Joe, I can I can feel that you woke up today and you know you you slicked your hair back with kerosene and lit a couple matches before you came on camera today. It was absolutely. I mean, Steve said you were on fire. You you were quite almost literally on fire there. And I could tell in your voice that something big is coming. You're excited about it, and you're also um, flat out saying, "Hey, federal government, FBI." Um, we're looking at corruption here. The American people are looking at corruption. We're, we, we see the evidence and we're going to see more that 2020 was a stolen election that should not have been certified. You've written three books on it. Um, you pointed out this morning on your show that only one third of the security controls and stipulations that should have been in place were in place. Um, and you, you took on the SCOTUS too, which I thought was uh, wonderful because, you know, the more we um, peel the dissonance away from what happened with the Texas ruling this week, the more we're starting to see, wait a minute, there, there is something rotten in the SCOTUS right now. And this mm. is not a good, a good trajectory. So um, maybe speak to that a little bit and, and speak to what you were saying just about the levels of corruption. You know, you're calling it out here. You've been doing it on your show five days a week for almost the entirety of TNT's existence. Um, you've written mm -hmm. three books about it. You've written hundreds, maybe thousands of articles uh, at, at Gateway Pundit about it and your brother and your colleagues, you know, tens of thousands of articles, evidence, information. I mean, um, what... What are you feeling today that that led to such a um, you know fiery uh, intro to your show? Mm. Uh, well, thanks, Brian. Yeah, I think the uh, the thing that grabs me is, and, and the more you understand this, the more information you get, and you just keep drilling and digging and drilling, uh, the more more uh, you know pissed that you get at the FBI. I mean, the FBI had a duty to go in there. They were to protect us. That's their job. Their job was to do a real investigation in Georgia. And they didn't. It's very, very clear that they did not. Because the information that we have, video alone is enough evidence. And I, I mentioned this this morning. I was, I, I've was i been in front of audit committees around the world. I was an auditor. I was housed in Hong Kong for a while over international auditor, done all sorts of audits, big ones, some of them. And I tell you what, I've never gone into an audit committee and said, hey, I've got video evidence of our employees committing crimes. What do you think we should do? I mean, first of all, I wouldn't even get to that level. These people would be gone right now. Any corporation. We got evidence of somebody committing crimes on video. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. You'd do an investigation and you'd get rid of them. I mean, video coverage is like some of the best evidence there is. And so we've had that. And, and the fact that the FBI sits back and says, makes up these excuses, accepts excuses for these people that obviously on video committed crime, it's unbelievable. But with, there's more. And that's the key that I'm saying. There's so much more here that's evident. And our FBI dropped the damn ball again, really working for the other side, working for to put Biden in place. And because of that, we've got this open border. We've got 14 dead in Afghanistan. We've got a we've got a mess all over the world. And 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 with a with a risk of a war breaking out in Asia. <laughs> I mean. 
It's a nightmare. And our border, and we just had that guy cross the border over the weekend that says, you will soon know me. It's like, who yeah. is this guy that's crossing our border being so bold? What's going on? We need to, and I'm telling you, I, were, I lived in Hong Kong. You couldn't cross the border between Hong Kong and China without going through customs. If you tried to, good luck. You'd be probably sent to China for the rest of your life. I don't I don't think it's possible. There's a moat, there's barbed wire fences, and there's customs. And you better not mess with any of that. Everybody knows that. But in our yeah. country, we're, we've got these open gates, and God knows who's coming in or how many or where they're going. And this is Biden. This is, this is on the SCOTUS. They should have taken up the Texas case back in uh, 2021, uh, 2020, 2021. They failed us then. All these deaths around the world, they failed us. They had a duty to stand up and not allow this to happen because I believe that a lot, if not all of this, wouldn't be happening today if we had Trump in, 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 in office. This stuff is a nightmare. I believe personally that the southern border is it's intentional, it's destructive, it's being done by people that hate this country. There's no other, there's no other explanation. You can't. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's we're well, we're well beyond the incompetence argument. I mean, uh, if this is incompetence, uh, uh, it's nefarious, intentional incompetence for sure. Uh, Joe, I we can tell just by the way you're talking about the evidence that you guys have gotten, it's going to be big. Um, now the question is, will it be? Will it be investigated? Obviously, you know. I remember when Giuliani lost that civil case against Ruby and the daughter, and he said, "This isn't over. We're going to continue to fight because he knows he's got truth on his side." But as we look at Fannie Willis, is it Fanny or Fanny? I don't know what it is. But we look at this crooked DA and her boyfriend, uh, this uh, Nathan Wade character. I, I, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, his ex-wife. Jocelyn Wade may become an American patriot because she's blowing the whistle on a lot of this. And now all of a sudden it looks like there's receipts. I'm looking at uh, Blaze Media and they've got receipts of him, uh, Nathan Wade, uh, who, of course, was hired by Fannie Willis and her going to Napa Valley, going to going to Miami. And of course, in Miami, what do they do in Miami? They jump on a cruise ship. They've gone on multiple trips together. Uh, is this case, the Fannie Willis case, I don't think they're going to drop it, but is she going to be forced to recuse herself from this case? Uh, and is it ultimately just going to die on the vine? Mm, that's a good question. With the, Again, with a, with a broken justice system, what's, what's your bet? I mean, your bet is probably nothing. You know, this lady, the very least thing she should be done is, is be recused. She needs to be investigated fully. What else is going on? What about her communications with the White House? What about her communications with this attorney with the White House? What the, what the heck's going on? And I tell you what, nothing's worse than a woman scorned. And that's what that's what Fanny did. Her biggest mistake was messing with this guy because his wife he is pissed. <laughs> She's like, this is outrageous. And he was withholding information from her and money. And man, you don't, you know, you don't do that. She's I, I saw a clip of her talking she's like man she is on fire because she while her husband's running around the you know the the world on cruises and stuff she's sitting back and trying to raise her kids she uh, she's no fan of fanny willis so you know that was that was maybe their <laughs> biggest mistake isn't it it's kind of okay so that would be ironic
Yeah, absolutely. All right, Joe, uh, we could talk to you all day, but uh, we're going to let you go. We got Roger Stone coming up next. So uh, stay tuned. It's going to be awesome to hear Roger's take on everything going on. Follow Joe's work at the Gateway Pundit, of course, him and his colleagues over there doing a bang up job doing what they do uh, 24 seven and the Joe Hoff show right here on today's news talk Monday through Friday. Joe, thank you very much. We'll look forward to having you back on again real soon to expand on this breaking news. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT. TNT's Patrick Henningsen. Hamza Dahoud was the eldest son of the Gaza Bureau for Al Jazeera, while Dahoud, who previously lost other family members in Israeli bombing raid. And we would say that this is probably, in terms of conflicts, this many journalists have been lost, uh, killed, injured, in the whole of the Second World War, and that lasted uh, a number of years. And only in the last three months are we scraping 100 on the uh, journalist uh, fatality list, which is coming fast and furious out of Gaza. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. tntradio.live. We've been discussing the historic win in the Iowa and New Hampshire caucuses. Donald Trump is clearly going to sweep the caucuses and is now getting more endorsements from GOP senators as the mass media cartel does their best to spin away, spin away attention from Trump. But it's not working at all. The more they fight it, the more support he seems to garner. Joe Biden is a shoe in for an epic loss in 2024. So our next guest is here to comment on the developing 2024 presidential race. The big question on our mind as more and more people start to address the question of who Donald Trump will be running against, potentially. Roger Stone joins us now from the Stone Zone. Mr. Stone, welcome back to State of the Nation. We'd love to get your thoughts on the Trump campaign and this historic sweeping of both Iowa and New Hampshire. Uh, Thanks for having me. It's great to be back here. Uh, First of all, it's uh, amazing for me and somewhat amusing to watch the, the lamestream media try to minimize Trump's sweeping victories. Uh, the, his Iowa performance was literally historic, the highest uh, margin previously by a Republican presidential candidate in the Iowa caucuses was 12 points. That was for my old boss, Senator Bob Dole. Uh, Donald Trump tripled that margin, winning by almost over 30 points. Uh, that's uh, really historic uh, and sweeping. Uh, and then in all honesty, uh, of the all the early primary and caucus states, New Hampshire was the most difficult. First of all, New Hampshire's demography uh, has changed very radically uh, as liberals fleeing the taxes of Massachusetts uh, and moving to much more uh, uh, desirable uh, New Hampshire have made the state far more liberal than it used to be. Donald Trump narrowly lost the state in the general election in 2016. He again narrowly lost the state 
uh, in the general election of 2020. So it would be unfair to think of Iowa, uh, pardon me, New Hampshire as a Republican state. That said, uh, the uh, the people who voted in the Republican primary, as it turns out, only half of them were actually Republicans, meaning that uh, Nikki Haley used $34 million in essentially deep state money, mostly Democratic money, uh, in order to flood the Republican primary with independents, left-leaning independents, who in that state, because of their unique state laws, are entitled to vote in the Republican primary. If you looked at Trump's uh, standing among just those who were actually Republicans, he won them with 70% of the vote. Uh, so uh, he won a solid double-digit victory. He got outspent massively. She spent north of $35 million. I think we're going to find out it's substantially more than that. He spent about 18, uh, and he still beat her solidly. Uh, the media is trying to spin this as some epic victory for her. Where I come from, victory is defined as coming in first uh, and getting a lot more votes than the other person, and therefore the victor is Donald Trump. Uh, why is she doing this? She has no prospect to win this nomination. It's because Nikki Haley is a puppet. She is a, a puppet of the Uniparty. She's a puppet of the war machine. She's a puppet of the two-party duopoly uh, that is largely responsible for the decline of the country. Uh, and she's the backup plan for those uh, who may conclude that Joe Biden just can't make it. Uh, this is really a, a lot of uh, folks now coming to the same conclusion that I wrote about and spoke about over two years ago uh, that uh, in the end, the Democratic Party will dump Joe or Joe will go, uh, you know, voluntarily, at least theoretically, uh, and that uh, their convention will be thrown open to a new nominee. So here's how that would actually work. Uh, they really cleared the field for Joe. Uh, so he has no real competition for the Democratic nomination. Uh, he will garner, garner uh, enough votes to be nominated, assuming that his health holds out and he's still alive. Uh, and we wish him the best in that regard. Uh, but shortly before the convention, uh, he will announce that for reasons of his health, he's decided that it's not the best thing for the country or the party for him to seek re-election. And therefore, he's releasing his delegates and they can nominate anyone they wish, uh, in which case they will then uh, seek to draft Michelle Obama. Uh, and she will say, oh, no, no, please, I'm not interested. Oh, no, thank you. I can't possibly do that. All right, I'll take it. That's exactly how it, it will work. Uh, and uh, then the convention will probably move on to select somebody other than Kamala Harris for vice president. Now, we learned just in the last couple of days, shocking uh, information from a, from a new book, uh, that Joe Biden uh, deeply, intensely dislikes Kamala Harris because in the 2020 Democratic debates, she correctly nailed him as a racist. Uh, he was elected in 1972 on opposition to the desegregation of the Wilmington, Delaware schools. He's also the author of the 1994 crime bill, which shifted the war on drugs away from drug dealers and drug kingpins and drug cartels uh, to individuals 
uh, uh, and mandated the harsh mandatory penalties for the first time nonviolent crime of possessions of small amounts of drugs for personal use. These are people with no previous record. This has been used unfairly to incarcerate hundreds of thousands, if not millions of poor people, uh, and particularly black people. Uh, Joe Biden is a, a racist. That is abundantly clear. So Biden didn't want Kamala Harris. Uh, Kamala Harris was forced on him uh, by Barack Obama. Well, if Barack Obama can get Kamala Harris onto the ticket, then I'm going to guess that Barack Obama can get uh, Kamala Harris off of the ticket, promise her a Supreme Court nomination down the road or some such thing. But uh, the Democrats know that neither Biden nor Harris can win a general election against a surging Donald Trump, particularly Donald Trump, uh, with a carefully uh, selected running mate. Uh, and on that basis, I stick to my prediction right here again on TNT, TNT Radio that Michelle Obama will ultimately be the Democratic nominee for president. Wow. Roger, um, yeah, we've been kind of game playing that one out as well, and it's very scary proposition. Listen, we're going to take a real quick headline, but when we come back, I want to follow up on Nikki and uh, Nikki Haley's lackluster performance, even though they would have you believe that it was, oh, well, she really outperformed. She lost by 11%. She didn't outperform. But the question is, how long will the donors continue to to uh, to, to fund this campaign and to what end? Uh, we're talking to Roger Stone, and we'll be right back with him after this headline on today's News Talk TNT. Now, now, now. news. Big news. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. On Tuesday night, following former President Donald Trump's successive wins in the first two nominating states, President Joe Biden effectively initiated the general election campaign. On Wednesday, North Korea launched an unspecified number of cruise missiles into the sea off its west coast, an action reported by the South Korean military and one that could heighten tensions on the Korean Peninsula. Russia has reported that there are no survivors in the crash of a Russian transport aircraft near the Ukrainian border, which occurred earlier today. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. All right. Welcome back to State of the Nation. Our guest is Roger Stone. Roger, we were talking about uh, the, the possibility and looking more likely the probability of Michelle being parachuted in. But let's let's go back to Nikki here for a minute. As you rightly point out, 70% of registered Republicans in uh, New Hampshire that participated in the primary yesterday, 70% picked Trump. So seven out of 10 Republicans are going with Trump. That spells, and that was, that. by the way, that's Nikki's best state. That's her best state. She's 50 points down in her home state of South Carolina. So that begs the question, why is she still in it? I think it's pretty obvious why she's still in it. She's in it to muddy up or bloody up Donald Trump as much as she can, even if it means just kind of blowing off the rest of her political cachet. She's got 
Her political future is dead if she continues down this road, don't you think, Roger? Or is it already dead? Well, who knows? They might offer her a gig commenting on politics at MSNBC or CNN. But <laughs> other than that, uh, no, I think there is one other more nefarious possibility. So there's two possibilities. One, uh, the globalists who pull her strings because she's a puppet. Uh, keep her in the race to try to do maximum damage to Donald Trump. She keeps attacking him. Those attacks keep getting covered, regardless of how irrelevant or non-viable her candidacy is. The other one is to uh, keep her uh, in the race as long as possible so they can later make the case that Trump must take her for vice president to bind up the wounds in the party. Now, I've said publicly, if Trump were to do that, he would need a food taster. Uh, because she's completely <laughs> untrustworthy. She has no evidence that she's committed to the same America first agenda as Donald Trump. But folks don't need to worry about that. I think it's my own opinion. I don't speak for Donald Trump. I do speak to him from time to time, but I don't speak for him. Uh, I think there's zero chance uh, that he would take her because as with Ron DeSantis, he sees her candidacy uh, as an act of treachery. She looked him in the eye and she said, you are among our greatest presidents. If you run again, I will not run. Now she's running. So she's broken her word. That shows that she has no character, even though she may have unlimited special interest money uh, from the left. And then secondarily, Donald Trump is the peace candidate. Donald Trump thinks that World War III is a bad idea for America. Nikki Haley uh, is the war candidate. Uh, she would get us into a war uh, either in the Russia-Ukraine conflict or, or in the Middle East. Uh, and uh, we we simply, th their views are too divergent. It's not, uh, they're not in any way compatible, nor is she trustworthy. The whole notion of a Trump-Haley ticket being pushed by some on Wall Street right now who will dangle the prospect of campaign money uh, at Donald Trump, which he will not, in my opinion, go for. Uh, uh, or uh, it was a tactic by Ron DeSantis in the 15 minutes that he was uh, in this race. Uh, but it, it's a fiction. I, I think there's zero prospect uh, of a uh, Trump-Haley uh, ticket. I, I got to agree with you, and I'm I'm glad you brought up the uh, candidate of the military-industrial complex there, because that's exactly what would happen. And I think that most Americans do not, at least most Americans that support Donald Trump, do not believe that uh, he would go in and you know facilitate further conflicts in Ukraine, further conflicts in the Middle East, and potential conflicts in the Taiwan area. I mean, it's just. That's not the way that Americans think that that he operates. Um, but Nikki Haley, on the other hand, my goodness, uh, it doesn't take a tea leaf reader to know how she would stand on that. So that just seems like a completely incompatible ticket. Now, um, I'm curious, uh, how, what do you think that would look like if if what because I've been thinking about this for a long time, you know, I interviewed Joel Gilbert uh, back in 22, I think, and, and he was the first person that told me, hey, get ready, Michelle's on the same trajectory that Barack was on, same book release dates, same speaking events, same sort of talking points. This is a campaign. This is a shadow campaign. And I think a lot of people put that aside as, a, you know, just a potential but now uh, I saw you talking about this with Alex Jones. Uh, Wayne Allen Root has come on and, and spoken about this right here on State of the Nation and other places. 
and Joel Gilbert, of course. So this is starting to become a more widely uh, wargamed political theory here that Michelle Obama is going to combat land in. Um, who do you think she's going to bring with her? A lot of people are suspecting Gavin Newsom. Uh, I would think that uh, Gavin Newsom makes a sense as a potential running mate. Look, within the dynamics of the modern Democratic Party, you, uh, under any normal scenario, if Joe Biden decided for whatever reason not to run, the next person in line would be the sitting vice president, Kamala Harris. But they, the Democrats are aware that she is utterly unelectable. Uh, and therefore, uh, I think you can only replace uh, a woman of color with uh, another woman of color, one who's far more popular, uh, has far less political baggage. Michelle Obama hasn't been in politics, not really. Uh, and uh, Gavin Newsom uh, would bring hundreds of millions of dollars in special interest money. First, his family wealth, he's a Getty, but beyond that, his ability to extort the special interests in California as a sitting governor are enormous. Uh, and uh, he's been run shadow running for president now for a year in the outside hopes that maybe they would replace Joe Biden with him. Uh, I don't think he can get over the fact that Kamala Harris is at least ostensibly next in line. So, um, I, yes, I think it's highly likely that we're looking at a uh, at a Obama uh, uh, Newsom ticket. Uh, it would not be. Uh, uh, they'd be a, it'd be a formidable ticket. On the other hand, Gavin Newsom's record, in which he's destroyed one of the most beautiful states in the country in every regard, uh, economically, in terms of public safety, in terms of public health, uh, it is uh, he doesn't have much of a record to run on. It'd be like we might not remember this, but Mike Dukakis, uh, Gavin Newsom, he'll do for America what he did for California. Well, that means people crapping in the streets. No, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Well, let me ask you this, Roger, before we let you go, because we got—I I know we know you're busy, and and we've got a couple of minutes left. So we've talked about a potential news uh, or uh, Obama Newsom uh, ticket, which of course effectively would be, by my count, that would be the fourth term of Barack Obama. I think most people think that Barack Obama is running things from uh, from uh, Cape uh, wherever the hell he where's he living uh, Martha's Vineyard now. Uh, he's probably running it from there anyway. So this would effectively be a fourth term for him and potentially a, a fifth term for him uh, if Michelle won and then won a re-election. But let's talk about Trump and his picks. Who do you suspect is going to get the nod? Because I think we can all agree, even Don Jr. came out and said, I would strongly discourage my father from picking Nikki Haley. And I don't think he has any any plan on doing that. But who do you think would be a good pick for Trump? Well, first of all, I'd only be stating my own opinion. I want to make that very clear. Uh, I've spoken to the president, but I, I've had a policy for many years of not divulging the contents of what are private conversations. Uh, I think he's got a wealth of great potential candidates. Uh, my heart belongs to Tucker Carlson. I love that idea. Uh, I, I think it's unlikely Tucker would be a great candidate. Uh, he's a man of principle. He's a great debater. He's a man of ideas. Uh, I think that's unlikely. Uh, I like uh, Elise Stefanik, the congresswoman from upstate New York. She certainly proved in the last several months that she's a warrior. I mean, taking on anti-Semitism in the campuses, taking on the uh, the uh, uh, corrupt, uh, plagiaristic uh, 
uh, president of of, uh, Harvard, forcing essentially her resignation, taking on judicial corruption surrounding some of the cases uh, regarding uh, Donald Trump's allies like Rudy Giuliani. Uh, I kind of like the outside the box idea of Tulsi Gabbard, former Democrat, now an independent Iraq war veteran, uh, lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army Reserve, championship surfer, uh, certainly an ardent critic of Nikki Haley uh, and the current war machine. Uh, I'm not certain of her views on social issues. I haven't looked at it. I'm just kind of you know, thinking outside the box here, spitballing. Uh, There are safe choices. Dr. Ben Carson is a solid guy. He has the benefit of having run for president. Uh, He's sure-footed. I'm not sure that he gets us any votes outside of our base, votes we already have. Uh, I I think the president is, he's got many great choices. Uh, On the other hand, as Richard Nixon once told me directly, in choosing a vice president, don't look for someone who can help you, uh, but find someone who does not hurt you. Something that, ironically, uh, Nixon uh, did not manage to do either in 1960 uh, <laughs> or in 1968. Although I could argue that that's a bum rap in both cases. Uh, but in, in any event, um, no one knows. That's the key thing. There's only one person who knows, and he's not saying. He said in the Fox Town Hall, he already made a decision. And perhaps he has, but as long as he doesn't share that decision, he has the right to change his mind right up until July. Uh, And um, he will choose wisely. But if there's a short list, I'm not privy to it. I don't think anybody else is. Uh, Right now, he's focused on winning uh, in Nevada, which he's going to do because for some bizarre reason, Nikki Haley didn't even even file to compete there. Uh, That's kind of an admission that she would have gotten shellacked. Uh, and uh, she's going to get blown away in her home sta- state of South Carolina, where the governor of uh, South Carolina, Henry McMaster, who's a very good man, who was lieutenant governor under Nikki Haley, strongly supported uh, President Donald Trump, as is the lieutenant governor, as is, I think, most members of his cabinet, uh, as are the leaders in the legislature, as are a majority of the Republicans uh, who serve uh, in the House of Representatives uh, in Washington representing uh, South Carolina. I think that's looking to be a blowout. So, uh, But I think the president is focused on wrapping up the nomination, uh, and then he will turn to the question uh, of a vice presidential running mate. All right. Well, that sounds like quite the list of uh, great potentials. And when you compare that to uh, Kamala Harris or whoever Michelle Obama might pick, uh, it's a pretty clear <laughs> the options are much better for the United States uh, under a Trump presidency, absolutely, in this regard. Uh, Roger Stone, I want to thank you so much for everything you do and for taking the time to join us here at State of the Nation. I'll encourage you to go to StoneZone.com. You can find all of Roger's broadcasts over there. You can find links to his wonderful books like Stone's Rules and The Man Who Killed Kennedy over there. Roger, thank you so much for your time, and we'll look forward to having you back on State of the Nation again real soon. Great to be back with you, and God bless you. God bless, sir. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT. She used to dance and dream of a better life. A brighter future with nutritious food to eat. A chance to learn, to get an education, 
do incredible things. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams by ensuring that they have access to health care, education, life skills, and more, so they can grow, thrive, and believe in themselves. Gracias. Gracias. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today. see it coming. It's pre-diabetes, and it captures one in three adults. You may not even know you have it, but you can escape. Take the one-minute pre-diabetes risk test to know where you stand. With early diagnosis, you can change the outcome and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. Be your own hero on smartphones everywhere at doihaveprediabetes.org. Issues that dominate America. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, welcome back to State of the Nation. We're always happy to welcome our next guest. Scott Shepard is a fellow at the National Center, as well as the director of the National Center's Free Energize, uh, Free Enterprise, Free Energize. That'd be nice. Free Enterprise Project. Uh, and we wanted to bring him onto the show because, well, we always like having him on the show. That's why. But also to discuss... Social justice, or as Scott refers to it, socialist justice. Scott Shepard, welcome to the program, my friend. How are you today, man? Uh, I'm terrific, and I'm better because I'm on with y'all. It's always a good time. Good to see. Well, you. we're always happy, to, always happy to have you. Let's start, because we. I think the nation has, uh, by and large, gotten rather sick of social justice and all everything that comes with it, whether it's cancel culture. Of course, back in the day, we used to call it political correctness. Now they've morphed it all into so the social justice bag, the DEI, all this crap. Um, you think America's gotten sick of it and, and, and have woken up to it? And will they stop trying to push it down our throats? Well, yes, yes, and no. Um, yes, I think the American people have woken up to it. They were all, well, I mean, official America, not common sense people, but official America was terrified by the riot summer of 2020. And so jumped in and embraced all of this stuff without thinking it, about it at all. But over the years, it's become clearer and clearer that it's just racism and it's just socialism. And in fact, the term social justice in the rest of the world, everybody understands what it means. It's not this extra special kind of justice. It's particular justice if you want to get to a socialist future. It's taking away the opportunities to succeed, taking away uh, a past and everybody living at the same miserable level. Uh oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We it's not about equality. Scott. It's about mediocrity. Yeah, exactly. And Scott, you know, as you pointed out, they 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 wedge this in. They put the foot in the door with race and sex and then they 
they beer bong it into the third eye of every child and every adult in the country. And then they get adults beer bonging it into the third eye of every child in school. And then the mass media cartel, again, dumping more propaganda in the beer bong funnel, boom, right into the straight eye. And we end up with these weaponized, radicalized youth. And, and the mass media cartel will call us internet radicalized for having these conversations and because of our you know state of melanin i mean what how how predatory is that to have an entire system of government of media of education of everything now that dei is woven into every corporate institution how devious is that to start this all off on young people and make it about sex and race yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. I mean, they're hiding socialism behind sex and race, but in doing that, they're making the socialism racist. And as we pointed out uh, talking together before, there was socialist racism in the 20th century, and, and uh, it didn't go very well. I mean, it started in Germany. And just, that's what it was, was socialist racism. Socialism was right in the name. It's the, the only other thing but nationalism in Nazi, which is why the leftists get so strung up about nationalism because they can't blame socialism for the Nazis. And so, mm. you know, you, and you see this in the application of social justice here. They, they claim it's for minority groups, but take environmental justice. Environmental justice uh, is, is based in taking good jobs out of low-income minority uh, communities, where those are the paths to success and prosperity and self-reliance in those communities, because they pollute too much, right? They don't check with the locals and say, hey, do you want your job? and maybe a cough once a year. No, no, they uh, they check with the, the upper middle class white people who are the people behind all of this stuff because they don't think the socialism is going to apply to them. And so you take it in the name of doing justice by a community, you take away its good jobs. And if you replace them at all, you replace them with jobs that don't create any pollution because there aren't very many of them. And they can't generally be done by the average uh, people in these developing neighborhoods anyway. So economic justice is to deny uh, the communities that are supposedly helping, the the ladders to success and the ability to stand on their own. I, I can't yeah. think of a worse indictment. Well, you know, Scott, it, it, here, here's the funny thing is we see them push this and it's everybody from, uh, from the media to the Democrats, uh, talking heads, hell, Hollywood to a greater extent professional athletes, they've all got a little bit of money in the game, a little skin in the game. So they're more than happy to push this crap. And then you see the opposite side, which is their biggest, uh, the big monster is the big orange man. Trump, I think, yep. is a definitive answer to what people think about DEI and social justice. Just look at how Trump is rolling away with this, uh, this uh the nomination process already i think that the american people have spoken pretty loud and clear and donald trump is their answer and donald trump is the the, the polar opposite of the direction they want to go they just don't want to hear it right well listen we're a 501c3 and so the tax people come after us if i have an opinion about an election so let me let me frame it this way consider the difference between the jackasses who lead the unions in this country and the rank and file members of the union. The rank and file members of the union know that all this DEI, ESG stuff is bad for all of them, whatever their race or sex or orientation. 
and, and wherever they live. It's the people at the top who think they're going to be excluded from all these consequences everywhere yeah. and always, including in the unions who are in favor of. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Scott. And, you know, I just saw today that the auto workers unions uh, have put in their support for Joe Biden's campaign. You know, and we've spoken with um, one of the presidents of one of the auto unions, you know, during the the strikes that were happening. And, you know, they this is a very complex situation because they were being treated very unfairly, very badly. And it kind of felt like the Biden administration just sort of, you know, tacitly or just sort of in a PR way um, supported that that case, you know, and, and they did get what they were looking for. And I can't help but notice now, boom, all of a sudden the United Auto Workers Union is throwing their money behind Joe Biden. And that's a lot of money. And as you point out, a lot of the rank and file there um, seem to be the type of people that would be politically diametrically opposed to social socialist justice. We'll use your term here because it is the proper term. Yeah, I, I think that's right. It's not only a lot of money, but it's a lot of other people's money. Just like when BlackRock and State Street and Vanguard support all this nonsense, force it on American corporations, they're not using their cash. They're using the people, the, the investors' cash. So time and again, and of course, government is just robbery. And so time and again, any push for this ESG stuff is funded, not by people who support it, but by people who have essentially been robbed. Scott, let me ask you, do you think that do you think that that eventually, maybe five, ten years down the road, we're going to be able to look back at this uh, this 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 point in U.S. history and say, God, remember when they were trying to push ESG? Remember when they were trying to force DEI down everybody's throats? Wasn't that a quaint time? Is there a possibility that we're ever going to get there or, or in 10 years from now, are we going to be saying, I can't believe they're still pushing this, uh, th this crap down our throats? Well, you know, the exhausting fact of being a defender of liberty is that we have to win every single go round. Every time we have to win or because if we lose once and if Churchill, Churchill put this better, as always put it better than anyone else can put it right. It's the long the long, dark Middle Ages returned and extended by the lights of a perverted science. Anytime they win, we we go into a, a, a terrible uh, age of, of unfreedom and poverty and, and, and misery. And, and so we've got to win every time. So I hope and trust that we'll win this one, too. And in a couple of years, we'll laugh at these idiots. But they'll be cooking something up next for two years more down the road. Yeah, they're like rust. They never sleep. Or like, you know, it's, it's, it, it metastasizes like a cancer. Scott Shepard, listen, man, as always, we thank you for uh, joining us on State of the Nation. I wish we had a little bit longer time with you today. Nationalcenter.org. Uh, you got some final words for us and what you think is going on with it. We got about, about 30 seconds here. What's going to happen with Nikki Haley? And uh, just wrap us up. Well, I mean, it, I, I don't think this is commenting about who I want in an election to suggest that this is going to be, it's not going to be a repeat of uh, the 2020 election because Joe just isn't going to be able to make it. And so there we'll see who, who takes over for him. Right on. Okay. Well, very, very, very uh, you protected that 501c3 status. I got you. <laughs> like Scott Shepard, listen, brother, as always, thank you for joining us today. We'll have you back again real soon. 
Uh, thank you so much for joining us on State of the Nation. And that's going to do it for Hesher and I. Uh, Missy, Missy Winston show is coming up next. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow on State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT.